Welcome to the Speak As Well As You Think podcast brought to you by Vautier Communications. I'm your host, Jen Alex. The goal of this show is to uncover communication strategies and behaviors you can use to improve the way you show up and perform at work. We'll talk about what effective communication looks like in action so you can apply it to your own career. If you'd like a written summary of each episode, subscribe to our weekly email newsletter by visiting vautiercommunications.com. That's V-A-U-T-I-E-R communications.com. Check out the show notes for a link. Welcome back, everyone. Today, John, Matt, and I are discussing the importance of influence and persuasion when it comes to communication, both on the professional side as well as personally. Thanks again, both of you, for joining me today, and I want to jump right in. So the first thing I want to talk about is how would you define influence and persuasion? Because those things can both fall into the same category at times, but they can also be completely different. So what would you consider to be important about both of these two abilities? And John, we'll start with you. Yeah, thanks, Jen. I think influence is this idea of having a vision of the ideal outcome in certain situations. And then from there, without forcing people, without feeling like a cheesy used car salesman, this would be a motivating piece. Mm -hmm. And motivating, and what I mean by motivating is motivating people to all work together toward a common goal, a vision that you all see together, a new reality that you all think would be a good idea. Persuasion, on the other hand, I feel like is used to try to get someone to make an action, make a decision without really earning their sincere buy-in on the front end. And it doesn't mean you don't earn their buy-in at some point, but to me, persuasion might be a little less relationship-based where the great influencers of the world have these relationship aspects where they understand the person, they understand the audience, they understand the vision or the goal. And I think with, with the persuasive piece, it might happen as a, it might happen as a result of earning people's trust and buy-in, but it may not only come at the front end of that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Matt, how about you? So yeah, I like how John put it there, but I also want to identify the fact of influence. I think that's a lot about who you are as well. Maybe the brand that you've built for yourself, how you hold yourself. Oftentimes influencers aren't leading because they want to lead more. They're leading because they've created a following of people who want to follow in their footsteps. It's more about their identity, their status, their accomplishments, and those types of things. Whereas persuasion is somebody asking someone to do something. So if I'm persuading something, it's more of I'm looking for a sale. I'm looking for a call to action. I'm looking for somebody to do, to do something for me on my behalf, mm -hmm. but maybe less of the fact because they want to follow in my footsteps and more because there's a benefit for me or a benefit for someone in the audience who's going to act on that. Right. With an influencer or someone who is influencing, I think it's more of they've come to that point in their life via what they've done or who they've appealed to. And because of that, people want to enact some of those same changes or same life goals or structure just because they see where it's gotten somebody to that point. Yeah, great. So if we really simplify it down, we'll say that persuasion is where you're trying to change somebody's opinion or actions. Influencing is more about somebody's identity, who they are, the accomplishments you, they've made, the position they're in, as you said, Matt. And while some influencers are really great at persuading, you don't always have to be an influencer in order to persuade. 
Yeah. And I think also there's this idea when we think about persuasion techniques, it's important, as Matt mentioned, to apply them with integrity, with sincerity, and not just do so for your own purposes, mm-hmm. because that's often going to leave whoever you've persuaded with the feeling of buyer's remorse. And that's where I use that phrase, right? The, the used car salesman, when people feel like they're getting sold to, there isn't necessarily trust being built there, right. especially if it's pushy, if there's if it feels like there's ill intent behind it, or someone's just trying to, to make a sale, close a deal, that will often lead to a, a negative perception of how that relationship may exist. Yeah. And I always love to think about the late night infomercials where you get this great deal, but then wait, there's more. And then another, yeah. wait, there's more. And that's where people Act now. feel like, right. It's not, it's really not worth what they're selling because now they're overselling me things that maybe I don't need or really aren't beneficial. Yeah. What's the saying? If it's, if it feels too good to be true, it usually is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yep. So John, how can influence be created when you communicate with others? Yeah. A couple ideas on tips that you can use persuasion and influence to have a positive effect in the workplace. I would say one, develop strong relationships. This is business 101 really, but building strong relationships helps you increase your ability to influence because what you're doing is building trust and you're creating a foundation that allows it to become easier for you to impact others, again, decision-making or action ideas. I think another one is doing what we do, right? Honing your communication skills. Make sure you understand how you are perceived from a communication standpoint. This means choosing your words carefully or wisely. It means paying attention to how other people respond or look for opportunities to try to practice some of those interpersonal skills with you in meetings and conversations. I think when possible, trying to find productive solutions. So what I mean by that is highlighting some of the benefits how are you creating value or how is this decision going to create value for the overall organization, the specific business unit? And then it's using the idea of facts and feelings. Mm -hmm. A lot of people today make decisions based on emotions and that's not uncommon, not necessarily a good or bad thing, but it's important. We know that we need to combine facts with feelings and pairing researched facts, statistics, data points, And then connecting those with how other people feel intellectually, emotionally, that's where the beauty happens. And that's how influential people become very influential is their ability to connect the two. Yeah, I love that. And again, the facts are important. People want to be swayed because something is structurally sound, but they also want to do it because of the way it makes them feel. And so having both of those things in there is really going to help benefit and, and help persuade in a full way rather than just feeling one way or the other feeling pushed in a certain direction. I also feel with that fact there too, the fact does a lot to shed light and credibility to someone who has that influence. You can't really gain influence if you're speaking mainly from opinion, mainly from what you think and mainly from what you feel, because overall that's not going to be as credible and there's not going to be as much resource to it in the background for people pulling from your information for you to give influence upon if there's no statistical or fact basis to what you're talking about. Yeah. Great point there. Or even subject matter experts that you might interview or come on. So for instance, if you think about some of the big podcast people out there, 
you know, they, they invite other people who are subject matter experts in a certain space on to be able to talk about some of those things and give some of their research or studies that they've done and then build this conversation around it. And that's what convinces people who might listen to that podcast to do something different or take a different approach or try something new. Matt, persuasion can sometimes come across as self-serving. Can you speak to how persuasion techniques could be used for the audience or listeners' purposes? Yeah, and I think you do a great job of of saying the term self-serving there. I I often think of persuasion as someone who's walking in to buy a timeshare and knows that they have to sit through that four to six to eight hour meeting just to go about the rest of their vacation. Yep. Persuasion oftentimes feel like you're feels like you're sitting in a room being talked at, listening to something that in the future really probably will never hold any weight to you. I think that's why the most important portion of not seeming self-serving is making sure you know what's in it for your audience. You want to persuade people to do things that makes them think it was their own idea in a way. You don't want them to be coming out of it saying, I'm glad I just listened to six hours of somebody else's thoughts and it's never going to apply to me, but rather give the audience some benefits. If you can put some benefits into their mind and make it a thought that they think is their own, they're more likely to want to do it in the end anyways. So if you can have a clear cut topic that's going to influence and shed light on your audience, that's always going to be more important as well. Make sure that when you're going through and you're talking about it, that call to action or that one ask isn't your main message. Make sure you have some sort of pathos or some sort of overarching theme or action within that talk so that all they're hearing isn't an ask or a reference or something that you're looking for from them. Because if there's more conversation, more dialogue, and more theme to the conversation, you're more likely to get a call to action or an answer from your audience. With that being said, again, you have to have that credibility and make sure that you know what you're talking about and make sure that you're being authentic and being a communicator that those people want to listen to and want to interact with. But at the end of the day, make sure that it doesn't all revolve around that persuasion. Make sure that you're being personable. Make sure that you're focused on everything and everybody else in the room and what's going on and not just that one call to action that you're looking for and or that one want that's brought you to the room that day. Absolutely. I think another way that you can think of persuasion or people listening can think of persuasion is also from the angle of telling people what they stand to lose if they don't do what you're suggesting. So it can be here's what's in it for you, here's what you're what you'll gain, but sometimes that that can feel like you're being tricked or your audience pushes back because they don't want to just hear what they're going to gain. So you can also think about persuasion in the sense of if we don't act right now, here's what's going to happen negatively or what could negatively affect us or what we might lose at this point. So there's different ways that you can consider persuasion and how you might use it based on the topic you're talking about and the audience you're speaking to. And for some of those people at home, Jen, it's just like when you have a small child at home and you want them, they maybe want to have dessert and you say, you got to finish your your dinner first, letting them know what they stand to lose if they don't finish their dinner at the beginning. It's as simple as that. We use it with our toddlers, with our kids every day at home. Driving that home in the work sense, using it with our persuasions often can work very well with adults too. Absolutely. And that's a great point. It doesn't have to be this big grand thought or or thing you put together. Sometimes it can be as simple as just saying, if this, then this happens. And we've Mm -hmm. learned 
throughout our lives, this cause and effect relationship, persuasion is a lot about that. If we do this, these good things will happen. If we do this, these negative things will happen. And that what that's what helps us make decisions one way or the other. Love yeah. That. And I think that's a, another piece of building relationships. I think that's a, a relationship strengthening aspect is then following through on what you've provided, right? You wouldn't build trust or you wouldn't build a relationship if you told your toddler, hey, you have to eat your vegetables first before we get dessert. And then the toddler eats his or her vegetables and there's no ice cream at the end of dinner or there's no ice cream at dessert time. And yeah. it's almost like, wait a second, you told me something that didn't actually happen. Now I'm not trusting you any longer when that that, that comes up. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's definitely a follow through aspect as well. Mm -hmm. I love it. Great points. So John, to that point, what are some examples of influencer persuasion that others might be familiar with in business or socially? And I know we just touched on a few there, but any others that pop into your mind? Yeah. I mean, I love what Matt said about the child and using persuasion to get permission to do certain things. I'm sure any of us listening right now can remember times when we tried to persuade mom and dad to let us stay out later past curfew. Mm -hmm. Right. Curfew is usually 11 p.m. And we really want to stay out till 1130 because the movie is supposed to end at 1055. And then we want to go and grab ice cream or something else with a date or our friends thereafter. Can I please get 30 extra minutes for curfew tonight? That could be an, op an option as we think about persuasion. I think influencing is interesting because it's more we think about it from the business lens. If you've worked on a team before, you've had strong input about something that you want the team to do next because of some desired outcome, then you've spoken through influence. You've had some skin in the game. You felt like, okay, I've had this opportunity or I've had this situation before. You can think about it in the sports lens as well. When you think about you're a senior in high school on your varsity team, and you remember, hey, when I was a freshman and I was on the same varsity team and we had this opportunity or this game or this match and it didn't go well, I want to influence my team members or my teammates to do something differently this time based on a previous experience. Mm -hmm. And this can feel more outcome-based, but it, you're using some of the experience you've had prior to change the decision or help influence a decision that happens on what comes next. Great. Yeah, I like that analogy. So if we wrap up, there's different benefits of use, utilizing influence and persuasion. A couple of the big ones that John and Matt both touched on. First, it's about creating stronger relationships with people. So you want to take an interest in both their personal and their professional lives because the way of creating influence is to know people on both levels. It's not just about being a great boss. It's about being a great boss and a, a potential friend or person they can confide in and come to with different issues or things that might be going on as well. The second one, focusing on those communication skills. Someone who commands the room or thinks before they speak, they can read other people's body language so that they know how to approach a talk or a situation. They're going to have a much easier time persuading because it's not going to feel tricky or it's not going to feel sneaky in that way you're approaching it based on what am I getting back those nonverbal skills from the person I'm speaking with. And that's going to help me adjust. How do I approach this topic, this situation? Three, obviously share the benefits with your audience. If we can tell people what's in it for them or how it's going to benefit them in the long run, they're much more likely to actually listen and pay attention because there's some outcome at the end of it on their side. And then finally, you want to 
maybe consider adding in or including those different objections. If we can weave in solutions to objections, our listeners are open to potentially changing their opinion and being persuaded when they can see both sides of an argument. So I don't want to think of persuading as just, this is the best idea. This is what I have to say. This is my opinion, but also approach it from, here's what I think is best. Now you all might be thinking, how is this going to work? And then I can add in the steps or solutions I've come up with based on that. And that's going to help those listeners say, okay, he or she has really thought about a lot of these different potential pain points or troubles with implementing this, or they've really thought through the whole process. It's not just this is what we should do and this is the best idea without thinking through all the steps and things that come into play after that. Anything else from the uh, either of you? Yeah, Jen, I just want to close. I looked up some some research prior to this podcast about influence persuasion, how the two can sometimes get confused, how the two can be looked at as separate. Yep. And Nicole DeFalco, Nicole DeFalco is the name. She posted on LinkedIn back in 2019, and I really liked what she said here. She said, if persuasion is the hammer you pull out the moment you see a nail, influence is the apprenticeship and training you go through to become a carpenter or prior to building a house. And I just thought that was a very unique way of folding that in. Additionally, I read, it says here, persuasion used indiscriminately can easily be described as the ability to sell ice to Eskimos. But do the Eskimos trust you or buy from you again when they realize you've sold them something they don't really need? Yeah. So I think it goes back to persuading or influencing with the right intent behind. And I know Matt touched on a few of those things. Jen, you just summarized on those pieces. But it's making sure you lead with integrity. You lead with the, the ability to, to look through the lens of that relationship first and then figure out how would I influence, how would I persuade an audience or an individual who I'm interacting with? Yeah. Yeah. You definitely don't want somebody to walk out of a meeting or a conversation or presentation and feel like many people feel when they leave a car lot and they come out with something they really didn't need. They have a whole bunch of extra bells and whistles, or they come out saying that was a waste of four hours because nothing came out of that. And I just feel gross after the situation. I'm not at all compelled to come back here, have a further conversation or look into it more. Well, thanks so much guys. And I will see you next time for our topic next month. Thanks for listening to the Speak As Well As You Think podcast brought to you by Vautier Communications. Again, I am your host, Jen Alex. Vautier Communications is in the business of business communication skills. We coach and train both individuals and groups on how to elevate their presence and increase their impact through the way they communicate, present, and write. If you wanna learn more about our in-person or virtual training options, visit our website at www dot communications dot com. Thanks for listening.